picture, if you will, maybe we should all just close our eyes. Picture, if you will, Lady and Tramp have just spent uh, the night. They had this wonderful bella nota, and, and they get up on this little hill, and they wake up, and they start talking about their lives and the direction of their life and the fact that Lady is Lady and that Tramp is the Tramp. And he's like, you need to live. You need to live your life. And she said, well, I need to go home. I need to watch over the kids and, and all these things. And, and he convinces her to go off the path that she knows is the correct path in her life. They go into a little chicken coop, and they start making a ruckus. And the farmer comes out with a shotgun, and he shoots at him, and he barely misses him. You might remember this. I know it's been a while since some of you have seen this. And they escape just in the nick of time, and they're running off, and the tramp is much faster than Lady. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes a rope. Boom. Gets Lady right around the neck. And it's the dog catcher. And he throws her in to the little, uh, the little wagon that he has, and he takes her off to the dog pound. It's all because she was on a path that she knew she wasn't supposed to be on. But the tramp, he's a good-looking guy. He's got that gold chain. He's wearing that nice leisure suit. Got to do what the tramp says, right? If you got your Bibles, open up to Proverbs. Chapter 4 is where I am. And, and basically, if you don't know much about the Proverbs, this is kind of funny. I, I feel weird with all these microphones today. Oh, wait. Wow, that is not Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> nice. Uh, if you don't know uh, much about Proverbs, Proverbs basically a book of wisdom. If, if you've been keeping up with what the sanctuary is doing, they've been walking through the book of Proverbs all summer long and uh, have been focusing on one of the different Proverbs each, uh, each Sunday. And uh, this one was one of them, Proverbs uh, 4. But I'm at Proverbs 4. I'm going to start at verse 20. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart. For they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. The writer of Proverbs right here is basically saying... Find God, find his path, and walk it. Sermon over. Find God. Somebody just went, yes, in the back. (laughs) Not really. Find God, find his path, and stay on it. And be aware that there will be people in leisure suits and gold chains who come up to you and people you know and people you like and people you trust and maybe even a family member that says, you know what, that's a nice path, but why don't we detour right here for a moment? Why don't we just, de- I, I, I know, I know. Let, let's just detour for a second. I mean, if you look what uh, what the writer is saying right before this, he says, do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else. For evil people cannot sleep until they have done their evil deed for the day. They cannot rest until they have caused someone to stumble. They eat wickedness and drink violence. I love that. I love that imagery. They eat wickedness and drink violence. They are looking to cause you to stumble. I mean, I don't think I could ask this question, have anyone say no to it, but evil exists in the world, correct? Yeah. There's evil out there. 
If you've been coming here for any length of time, you've heard my testimony and you've heard my story. I grew up in the church. We grew up Episcopalians. We went to different churches. We kind of had more of a, uh, I don't know, architectural relationship with Jesus more than anything else. We moved all over the country and, did, and lived in different places, and we went to see beautiful Episcopalian cathedrals. And so that was our Sunday morning experience. Love architecture now. And so when I got to college in the school formerly known as Southwest Texas, I had a knowledge of God. And I had a relationship kind of with Jesus. I mean, my parents brought me up to know what was right and what was wrong. My parents showed me the correct state, the correct path to lead. As I told you last week, my dad used to thump me on the back of the head if I didn't say, no, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. So I knew the path that I should have been going on. And yet, when I got to college, woo! that looks like a fun path over there. Whoa, let's go on that path. And I just went nuts. And it was people that were my friends. People that I trusted, people that I knew really well that would say, hey, Crocker, let's go do this. I'm like, okay. And even though I knew that that was not the path for me, and I knew that I was doing the wrong stuff and walking down the wrong path, I continued to walk over there. And I'd like to say that it was one moment where I finally had that come to Jesus moment, and I was like, oh, everything's been lifted from me, and I, know, and I now know, but I'm a little more stubborn than that. And it took God a while of knocking me on the head and knocking me on the head and knocking me on the head until I finally got it. Oh, you mean this path? Oh, that's the one I should walk on. See, we all know the path that we should be on. We don't know the direction that God's leading us. I didn't know that God would eventually have me go to seminary and have me be a pastor. I mean, hello, anyone that knew me back then. When I love seeing my old college buddies, and they're like, what do you do now? I'm a pastor. And they're like, necessarily, what do you do now? I lead people to Jesus. I love saying that. It's a cool thing to do. We all should say that. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not. I lead people to Jesus just by the way I live, just by the fact that I'm following this path. And I know that there are other paths out there in this world, but this is the path that God has for me. It's not always going to be the fun path. It's not always going to be the easy path. But it's the path with the greatest reward and the greatest victory. This is my path. So often today we have all these tramps in our life who are trying to get us to veer from the right to the left. When we're younger, we have a different kind of peer pressure than, than we do when we're older, but it's still there. Those of us who are in the business world, those of you who are in the business world, who have real jobs and and go out and, and earn livings. You have people that are whispering in your ear, people that come into your office, people that send you emails that are constantly trying you to take a different route than you know is the one God would choose for you. Maybe it's a deal, a big deal that's going to make your company for the year. But you know there's something off about it, and you know that there's something wrong about it. But the reward is pretty big. But you know that it's not ethical. You know that it's not the thing that God would have you do. So you have to make that decision. Essentially, as the proverb writer says, you have to guard your heart. We may lose this deal. I may end up losing my job, but this is the path that God has set before me. I mean, Jesus Christ did a lot for us. Jesus Christ could have veered from the path and suffered a lot less. Then where would we be? 
lost, without hope, without life, with nothing but pain and suffering to come. So he knew the path that he had to walk for God. He knew the path that God had laid before him. This is a path of sacrifice. It's a path of suffering. It's a path of loss. But it's a path of righteousness. It's a path of victory. It's a path of life. So even though he was scared, even though he was tremendously scared, even though he knew what was coming, what were his words? Not my will, but yours. Not what I want to do. Not the path that I think is the easy path. and one out. Your path, God. Your path. Let me follow that. Man, I, I wish I had that kind of strength and that kind of courage in my life. To say, not, not the path that I want to take, not the path that seems easy and simple. Your path. Now look, sometimes God's path is easy. His burden is light. Sometimes that is the path that seems fun. Man, I have fun when I preach. I have fun when I worship. I love hearing worship. And I, I just I eat it up, and I love getting up, and I love preaching. This is a fun path for me right now. This is cool. There's no doubt. I mean, you want to get me off this path? Uh-uh. Ain't going to happen because this is cool. But then there's other days when other things come up in my ministry and other things come up in my life where I'm like, yeah, that's that doesn't seem like the fun thing to do there, God. Can we negotiate this? Can we talk about this? But what does it say? You know the path that it is. It's a straight path. Find the path and stay on it. So how do you do that? How do you how do you get that strength? How do you get that courage? How do you get that ability to know what the path is? You got to know God, right? got to know God. What does it say when I just started out on, on verse 20? Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully, he says. Do not lose sight of my words. Do not lose sight of my words. You want to know the path that God has out for you? Know God. Know who God is. Know who Jesus Christ is. You want to follow the path of righteousness? you got to know the path, maker. Boy, I really am just preaching to myself right now. The rest of you are just kind of sitting there and wasting time. Because this sermon is for me. You know that we just moved, and you know that we just opened the coffee shop, and I've been going just way too fast and way too furious with all kinds of stuff. It sounds like a movie. I've been doing too much. And God's like, hey, remember me? Why are you doing all this stuff for me, right? So will you want to spend some time with me? I mean, I get these devotionals on my email every morning, and I read those, but that's not really spending some quality time with Jesus. That's not going in and saying, Jesus, man, I need your strength because I can't direct this without you. I need your strength because I can't lead my family without you. I need your strength because I can't live my life without you. And so I get on my iPhone and I see my little devotional that comes in in the morning. And I read it and then I pray and then I poof, off. God's like, that's it. That's all you got for me. Remember what I, what I did for you. 
Listen carefully. Pay attention to my words. Do not lose sight of my words. So my question is to all of us. How often are we in God's word? How often are we spending time with our father, with the Pathmaker? How often are we sitting down and just being quiet and erasing the world from our lives? For people like me that are so ADD, it's funny. We're a poster child for Ridlin. It's hard to do that. But how often are we sitting down and quiet and focused and say, God, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to complain to you. I'm not going to ask you for something. I'm not. Go- I'm just going to sit here and be with you. A short silence is awkward, isn't it? But how often do we get out there and do it? I've told you before that I am most close, close to God when I'm outside, and I get outside and I'm fishing, or I'm sitting in a deer blind, or I'm or I'm out hiking somewhere, and I just get to see God's creation. When's the last time I've done that? I mean, y'all don't know. God's so important to me. If my life with Jesus Christ is so important, shouldn't I carve out time and say, this is essential in my life. I must spend time with God. Because if not, as soon as that little guy in the leisure chute comes forward and he's like, hey, you want to go scare up some chickens? I'll be like, well, yes. That sounds like fun. I don't remember a proverb about scaring chickens. How often are you spending quiet time with God? Just letting God talk to you, letting God fill you, just reading his word. I mean, I talk to God all the time. I pray to God all the time. I pray for Gracie all the time. But you know, sometimes God's like, shh, shh. I've said the word no in the past couple of weeks more than I think I have in the last 34 years of my life. Yeah, my 13-month-old son has decided that anything that is not plastic and made in China is his toy. So, screwdriver, that looks like an excellent toy to run around with. Paintbrush, he's decided he wants to be an artist, and he's picked up, I don't know where he got, some long paintbrush that's about a foot long, made for oil paints with a very sharp end. Yeah, that's real He's running around with that, painting the halls. He likes the toilet. Not really to go in the toilet, but to see what can go in the toilet. I'm like, no, 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 no. And what does he do? He turns at us and he looks at us and he goes, <laughs> and then he just turns back to what he was doing. It's like, no, that's a funny word. Yesterday, he was sitting down in our bedroom, and we have this full-length mirror that's kind of leaning up, real safe, I know, leaning up against this wall. And he came in, and I was kind of cleaning out my closet, my desk, and he was sitting down in front of it, and he was playing with his tongue, you know, doing stuff like that at himself in the mirror. And I think every now and then, he's a little bit too much like me. He's like, man, you're good looking. But he would grab the mirror and start going, boom, 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 and it would be on the top. You know, if it falls, it could do a little bit of damage on him. And I look at, and he's, as he's doing this, he's looking at me, going, you see what I'm doing, right? I know I'm not supposed to be doing, do you see this? Do you, are, we, are we communicating here? And I'm like, no. And he goes, 
Je pense, je pense, je pense, je pense. This is how I am with God a lot. When I'm not really invested in my relationship with God. God's telling me no. God's telling me no. But I'm not really listening to him. I just go, <laughs> But see, the reason I'm telling Corbin these things is because it's dangerous. You pull that mirror over on you, son, it's going to hurt. It could break over your head. Now, I know you're like me, you've got a strong head, but that's something we'll deal with later. Corbin, the reason you don't want to run around with the screwdriver is because you could fall and stab yourself. Or you could hurt your sister. Or one of us. The reason we say no, and of course he's 13 months old. You know, I had this talk with him the other day. The reason we say no, son, is because we love you and we want you to be safe. He's like, nah, nah. Which means he wants to eat, by the way. God's saying, the reason I want you to be in my word and to know who I am is because I want you to be safe. I want you to walk on the path that I've laid before you. The reason I sent my son to die for you is so that you may have hope and you may have victory and you may have life. The reason I say no to you sometimes is so that I can show my love to you. And yet so often we just look at God and go, that's nice. But I'm going this way. We've got to know our Father in order to know the path that He's laid before us. Today is Communion Sunday. And the worship team is going to come up right now. <laughs> Remember how he worked on this before? <laughs> I said I'd call it. I'm just kidding. The worship team is going to come up right now and... and uh, and those that are assisting with communion are going to come forward. And, and really, you know, we do communion different a lot of times um, in New Heights. Uh, it's always the same thing, but I, I maybe kind of frame it in a different way. You know, communion is a, a time that we get to come to Christ's table, to the table that he prepared for us. And, and he wants to be a part of us. And he's saying, come forward and let me be a part of you. Come forward and let me be a part of you. This is a relationship deal that we can't get with anyone here on earth. I don't know anybody who has died for me and conquered death for me except Jesus Christ. I don't know anyone who is so willing to do so much for me. And these are the moments when he calls us forward and says, let me be a part of you. Let me be a part of you. Today's the day. When you come forward today, I just want you to, to think about that. Think about what you're doing, not just the act of, you know, sometimes uh, the Methodists are, are known for their methodic ways since the term, and we were known for in the beginning for doing things so rotely that it kind of took Jesus out of it. Today when you come forward, don't come up and do it like you've done it a hundred times. Don't go through the motion, essentially. Come forward and meet with Jesus Christ. And let him become a part of you. And spend time with him. So that in the coming week when that tramp appears, you know which path is his path. So many years ago, it was at the table that he was seated with his disciples 
it always blows me away every time I do this because he knew what was happening. This was a process that they had been through time and time and time again throughout their lives. They knew this meal, but they didn't know what would happen this night. Jesus took the bread and he lifted it and he broke it and he gave thanks to God for the bread. And he said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper, he took the cup and he raised it to God and he gave thanks. And he said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. So as we come forward today, we remember that, that this is his body and his blood. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come and have you be a part of us, to come to your table. Lord, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit, that this would be the body and blood of Christ for us, that we may come here with open hearts and open minds, that we may experience your peace, your forgiveness, and your life through this sacrament. In Jesus Christ's holy and precious name, amen.